If you're a pro, you know that this is not efficient because you know there's a better way. There's also a better way to save. When pro customers buy building supplies in bulk at Lowe's, they save up to 20% every day. Buy in bulk and save up to 20% on concrete, gypsum, and gypsum accessories. At Lowe's, buy more, save more. Visit the Pro Desk or Lowe'sForPros.com for details. Discount applies to contractor pack items. Minimum purchase required, U.S. only. Rams Nation, this is James Kroger with... Uh, hold on. There's somebody here. Welcome back. It's Bear Modder. James, thanks for stepping in and doing what you do best and filling in for Lockdown Rams. I appreciate it. You got it, but I was getting comfy in the seat and I just figured I'd start it off again. Well, you better scoot on over because I'm back, baby. <laughs> uh, appreciate you filling in those couple days. It is Lockdown Rams Tuesday and we're here as always talking Rams football. So James, you know, always joins us on Tuesday. He was kind enough to take over. I was out of town on a wedding, and I'll tell you right now, travel day, don't make it for Sunday. It's, <laughs> it's not easy. So, Bear, you know, we were talking the whole game, basically, over text message. I know you were watching it to start off, but how, you know, were you able to watch it over there? So or? I got the first half pretty good. I was over at my cousin's house, came back from the wedding. I was in Kentucky. Uh, thankfully, he's got the NFL Sunday ticket because... Uh, wasn't on the national game out there. Uh, a lot of Cowboys Packers going on. So they didn't care about the Rams and Seahawks in Kentucky? Mm, not in Kentucky, man. Hmm. Uh, so like I said, he's got the Sunday ticket, so we were doing we we're you know going through that. Uh, watched the first half, almost all the first three quarters I got, and then he kinda looked at me and was like, dude, we we probably should get you to the airport. And I'm thinking like, do I miss a flight or do I see them in this game? How and, committed am I? Yeah, exactly. But I was like, you know what? I got the ESPN app. I'm going to use that. I, I got my man James, who's been texting me throughout the game. So we got on the road. Uh, my internet decides to just not work in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And I was texting you. You gave me some updates. But there was times where I had to like then go through security and, and get my ticket going. And I uh. couldn't check. And it was right near the end of the fourth quarter when all this was going off. So finally I get through security. I find my gate. And I go up to a bar. And it's all Dallas Packers stuff, and I'm just like, is this, is Can we have a, do we have a vote? Yeah, I actually asked the bartender. I'm like, hey, is there a chance to get another game on? He was like, what other game? Like, like there was no <laughs> other game being played except for this game, and that was basically a big no. And everyone with their Cowboys jerseys and Packers jerseys are like, who's this West guy? I had my my Ram shirt on. I'm like, I'm a fan. Another thing, real quick, is I'm going through security. This guy's like, LA Ram fan, huh? And I'm like, yeah, you better believe it. And he's like, yeah, I think that's pretty stupid. You guys don't need any more teams. They need to come back to St. Louis. I was like, oh, a little bitter much? Yeah, here of the Chargers? Yeah. They were, they, were the, they were the cherry on top. So I find out this guy's a St. Louis fan, and he's just pissed off that we're good uh, now. And I'm like, well. And he's just looking at me like, stupid California kid. And uh, so from there, going back to when I'm at the gate, I'm like, man, i got to see the end of this because – you know, I'm seeing everything I'm seeing is late, and you're giving me texts like, "Oh my gosh!" And I'm like, "What are you talking about? It says I'm in a timeout, or you know, it's always behind." Finally, we're like, "Let's just Skype." So you hook me up on the Skype. I start looking in, and I gotta zoom in because your computer's far away from the TV, and I see the last maybe six plays, and that Cooper Cup. Almost touchdown on my little blurry screen on my phone, zoomed in. Mm. The way you guys were jumping up and down, there were a couple extra jumps there that I felt like that was an actual touchdown. So I'm freaking out, going, ah! like yelling on the phone. People are looking at me, 
And then you guys are like, no! Well, and it, I was crushed instantly. It looked like for a second he had it. I mean, it hit his hands. You, We've gotten to the point now where we expect Cooper Cup, yeah, a rookie, made, to, it, to yeah, make those catches. Isn't that crazy? You expect Cooper Cup to make that crazy catch because he's done it throughout the season already. He's had a bunch of amazing catches. And so. you're just building on the excitement of that overall drive because yeah. Goff had two really long passes, 20, 20 and 35 yards, I think they were, or 25 and 30 yards back-to-back. To get to that point in the first place, so you kind of you're just on that you're on that high, you know. Exactly, and I got to give him credit there because you know he struggled throughout the game. His numbers don't show his performance. We'll get into that a little bit later, breaking down some of the numbers. He ended up having 47 attempts. That's Mm. way too much for him, I I think. And we'll we'll get into that. But um, yeah, man, that throw at the end, he he dropped he brought us down. And what you want from your quarterback after a five turnover game is if you have a shot to win the game and you put it on on someone's hands in the end zone where he beats the coverage and he saw it well. He just dropped the ball, and we can't be mad at him. You're right, he's a rookie. Uh, He's made a bunch of plays, and he admitted after the game, uh, Cooper Cup basically said, I got to make that catch, and kind of took the the blame on himself, which is crazy, which I'm already starting to see from McVay and his whole crew is everyone is taking blame for that. Ownership. Yeah, McVay's saying, I got to have better play calls to get it to walk-ins. Todd Gurley said, I got to produce better with my numbers. Uh, everyone is taking ownership of their part in not winning that game. Yeah, exactly. And just talking about t- uh, clock management, McVay totally owned that. A lot of people on social media were talking about some of his early timeouts. But before we kind of get into that breakdown, what do you think of them running that play to Cooper Cup two times in a row? Yeah, you know I mean? <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, well, it was there the first time. Let's yeah. see if it – and weirdly, it was almost there. And we actually, I mean, as a, as a Ram group and, and listening to call on the radio, um, you know, JB Long, everyone's looking for that flag. They showed it in slow-mo. He hit him early, but in fast, at the end of a game, that's a bang-bang play. You're not going to get that call, but... Um, you know what? I think if, if, if it was the opposite side, if the Hawks were, were uh, on offense, we would have got that call against us. And he wouldn't have made the play. He yeah. wasn't there. But, um, you know, it was pass interference, I think. You know, for, for Goff, I mean, I think he thought he had it one more time. It was there. He liked the matchup. He went back to it. But Seahawks were aware of it, and sadly that was fourth down, and that was the end of it. And you just saw everyone kind of looking around, waiting for that flag. Like, come on, buy us another possession here. Buy us another couple downs. Yeah. Obviously, we were, you know, under 10 seconds at that point. We probably would have had maybe one at max two plays there. Uh, but, man, it was it was just a letdown. Uh, but... Coming away, I mean, I listened to your show, and you started off with some positives and trying to say, hey, listen, it's not the worst. You know, if you, if you have the five turnovers and you're still in the game, uh, you can't be terribly mad at that. So a lot of things to learn from. You're listening to the group. They don't seem discouraged at all. Um, Goff mentioned they. it's not that their offense didn't perform. They just kind of sputtered out when they needed to finish drives. Yeah, so talking about some of these calls by the refs, um, I wanted to ask you about that early call where, when Todd Gurley f- technically fumbled the ball but had touched the pylon. I think people are still confused looking at social media on, uh, online today. Uh, they're confused as to why Seattle got the ball. I don't know if you want to maybe explain that and, and then also give your... Yeah, well, it's, ugh, it's a frustrating rule, but... Um, yeah, I that's... thought he was out of bounds. And so did I. That. As I was watching the replay with my cousin and going... You know, look, man, he his his toe seemed out, but when that they flipped the reverse angle and his his almost his his heel kind of kept him up and the toe didn't get down and the ball was already a jarred. My thing is Todd Gurley's been doing that all year. 
that's kind of his touchdown. He kind of holds that ball near the pylon. It's mm-hmm. a, little, a little flashy way to be scoring. Understand he's reaching for it at this point because he's, he's trying to get that corner. But, man, just, I mean, it's like the simple thing they teach you when you're growing up, whether it's in baseball or if it's in football. Put two hands on the ball, extend, die yeah. for it. Like, I'd rather have you do that than, you know, I mean, they said Earl Thomas made a hell of a play, which he did. But he allowed him the opportunity to make that play with the one-hand reach. So, I mean, it just as swagged out as it looks, and I love it when he can get in and do the little one hand, and it's like, ooh, baby, get in there. Well, if you would have got I'm just it. Like, I'm just like, put two hands on the ball and <laughs> dive and touch that pylon and hold on to it because, I mean, we've seen it in the NFL a handful of times that, you know, the ball gets fumbled right there and goes out the back, and which creates the turnover and gives them the ball. I mean, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a reverse safety, I guess you could almost yeah. think of it in that way. Um, you know, the ball goes out the back and it's on us, so it goes goes to the other team. Well, man. it was in the beginning of the game. You know, Todd Gurley's on fire right now. If if that would have been a touchdown, it would have been poster highlight worthy. Um, so, you know, you're talking about fundamentals. I totally agree. But, you know, he's Todd Gurley, and it was early in the game. It was yeah. before any of this crap happened to us. Yeah, well, that's the crazy thing is when it happened, I looked over my cousin and how fast we came through that drive. I was just like, you know what? We're going to win by 21. Like, we're going to just... This is our offense starting the first quarter. We're just going to be flying. And it, and it didn't go that way. Fortunately, we saw Greg Legg miss his first field goal, which I was telling you, I actually got up for a drink at that point because I was like, well, this is automatic. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I heard, he missed it. I was like, what? That That's kind not of, allowed, Greg. Yeah, unfortunately, that kind of was the second piece that set the momentum going into the second half between Todd Gurley's turnover, basically at the touchdown line, to Greg the leg just missing a chip in. It just kind of helped shift that overall momentum. Yeah, and then adding on to it in the second half when we were in field goal range, it's third and long. They do that little screen to the left to Gurley, and he just, you know, the pass is high. Gurley tries to tip to himself, and the defense makes a great play and picks it off, but again, points off the board. You're, you're talking about the three plays we're talking. That's 13 points. That's an easy Rams win if we just convert on the things that we need to do. So uh, I know they're going to look back, and it's going to hurt for a while. McVay mentioned in his press conference that he does with J.B. Long on ESPN the radio, uh, the McVay show. He said that he'll never get over losses, that he's got to move on from losses. So he even said, like, there's things that I look back to the Redskins game that still bother me, but you have to move forward from them and learn. And that's the one thing I can say about McVay as, as how this has gone is that he's a good adjustment guy. And same with Phillips. Obviously, you can see Wade, their defense played well. The um, Seattle Seahawks had averaged over... The Seattle Seahawks had racked up over 800 yards in their last two games. 910. 910. Is that what it was? And we held them to 241 yards and 16 points. So... Uh, for us, that's a big win on the defense side of the ball. It's something we can pull away and say, all right, you know, our defense finally put it together. Our offense struggled with the turnover game. Now, adjustments, learn, move forward. This team is a, as a team that seems to take what happened last week and move on from it. We're really hoping to see that with Sammy Watkins as well. Yeah, 100%. And I think we've identified all the areas that – uh, we need to improve on, and maybe we can break those down on our next show on this podcast. But, you know, you go into this game thinking it's going to be a shootout, two uh, offensive units that are just dominating right now. You mentioned they had 910 yards in the last two games of Seattle Seahawks. Well, it was it was just a defensive uh, throwout because they held Todd Gurley. They stopped Todd Gurley early. They held him to under 43 overall rushing yards. Looking at where we held Seattle with the rushing yards as well, we had over 130 yards more than them. So it was a very defensive-minded game as opposed to what we actually thought we'd see coming into this. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because Todd Gurley, 14 carries, 43 yards. 
Uh, his long went for 11. Uh, and we mentioned earlier in the show, Jared Goff thrown for 47 attempts. We talked about this last year when we were having Keenum up in the 40 range, and we are saying this is not the way that we're going to win a ball game, and I think we got a little away from our game plan. McVay mentioned today he was a little... He also, I mean, he always said put it on the play caller, but at the same time, he, he mentioned you got to take what they're giving us, and at that point, they seemed like um, passing the ball was the best way to move the ball down the field. So mm-hmm. he kind of said, like, i got to do better with it, but at the same time, I was taking what they were giving me, and, and there was a few situations late in the first half that he's like, we really had to go pass, pass, pass. Near the end of the game, you're forced pass, pass, pass. So... Um, he didn't really get to give Gurley the amount of numbers that we want to see, but he also, but he also used Tavon six rushes. Obviously, the big one for the touchdown. Um, well, let's talk about Tavon in a bit. Right now, he's got the dunce cap. It seems with Rams Nation, but you're right. McVeigh was talking about having more balance in the game. He got shut down early on the run, specifically Todd Gurley, who's also been getting just as many passes as he is running the ball. But let's maybe Malcolm Brown, we saw him step it up um, and take some of the ownership of the running game a bit and some really imperative plays. And that's another thing that you want to see Goff be able to do on that second turnover where he got pressure. Uh, he seemed to want to go down the field a little bit more. But you know, continue to find that dump-off guy is going to be important for him because Malcolm Brown stepped in on a couple third downs and was able to relieve that pressure and also pick up he had one it was like third and four and he you know he picked up big yardage and he had another one it was like third and uh you know 13 he was able to you know make that adjustment and get up the field and and make those you know big plays he ended up with just those two catches but for 29 yards and both went for first down so that was that was big for us for him stepping in another guy that had a big game tyler higby first couple games didn't seem to really get involved. We were going to Everett a little bit more. But Higby has really taken advantage. He had four catches for 98 yards. He had the big one of 35. Um, when he's getting that action now, he looks like a reliable target, which, again, goes into that problem of you got one football and you got these guys who are all making plays. How did you feel about his production? So Higby, correct me if I'm wrong, had the most receiving yards by at least 30 with Woods popping in second at 66 total yards. Um, I liked how he switched it up with Higby because he was making plays. I know he started early on in the first quarter. There was a big play to Everett that he missed. I was pretty disappointed about that. It was a perfect throw by Goff. He should have had it. But he decided to mix it up a bit and, and give Higby some action. Higby's been doing a great job across the middle, I noticed. And he's got great hands. So um, I was, I, yeah, I did want to mention him. He definitely stepped it up. Well, as we're going down this receiving core, we, we briefly touched on him earlier. But Sammy Watkins, man, right? It's been up. It's been down. Uh, coming off this game and even the Dallas Cowboy game, I think you had mentioned that he got his first target last week late in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And then this game, he had four targets but no catches, only the second time in his career, which is a big bummer for us because of how productive he can be. But there were times where it seemed like he faded off his routes. Didn't, I mean, the deep ball that Goff had him, I mean, if he stays true to that route, Maybe we see another one of those great catches like we did against the 49ers. Yeah. Um, you know, but we've got to get him back involved. McVeigh again took some ownership on that and said, you know, it's not so much Goff finding the read and picking up players that they've made certain uh, you know, routes key to that play and that he had his chances, but they just weren't there. So he's expecting him to bounce back uh, because he said he's a hell of a player, but Uh, What were your thoughts on how we didn't get him involved? And are you concerned long-term with this? 
obviously you had him on your fantasy team, so you had to struggle that whole day watching this go down. <laughs> uh, one, you know, how do you see this going long term? Two, are you starting him next week on your fantasy team? So I, I have twofold um, question and answer here. One, I was totally bummed with starting him because I took a big risk. I, I put golf in uh, over oh, you doubled him with in, golf. The, in the first place. So I was like, you know, we're going to get 35 on the Hawks. Um, but McVeigh was definitely asked, like you mentioned, about Watkins and his role, and he did say that you know they were adjusting to Earl Thomas or Earl Thomas uh, down the field, who was doing such a great job yesterday. And there was too many missed opportunities. There was uh, missed opportunities, uh, medium and some medium routes, and and those down the field routes. We j- you just mentioned the uh, pass that was a great pass from Goff, and if he would have stayed true, probably would have got it, but. Yeah, Watkins isn't getting the love, and we talked about in some previous episodes of Locked On and Rams podcast about Watkins' role, how we thought he would be this our number one target going into this season. Um, and then the first couple games, you know, when he was getting some, when he wasn't getting as much attention, especially last game and this game, obviously, I was kind of taken aback, thinking, you know, well, he does add an. Ad- a major element to this offense because he is that threat. So you have to be careful with him. You right. have to follow him when he goes down the field. So he opens up this offense a bit. But right now with four attempts and zero catches yesterday, I was expecting at least a couple. I'm completely concerned about um, Watkins. Well, you're not the only one that's concerned because Tory Holt tweeted out yesterday after the game and said, Sammy Watkins, zero catches on four targets. Watkins now has one catch for 17 yards over the past two games. And from there... Sammy jumped in and tweeted, something's got to be going on. And had like a, the emoji of like the zipper, the zipper <laughs> mouth. Like something's got to be going on, but I'm not going to say it. Um, it's like that Des Bryant commercial when they're like, was that a Des Bryant quote? And he's like, you didn't hear from me, but he's doing the... Yeah. And then Tori Holt did your favorite emoji, which is like the thinking emoji. Yeah. Like, hmm. And people start jumping in because this was getting exciting. Another guy said, just come back to Buffalo, and, and Sammy replied, LOL, I'm good. Got love for them, though. Um, continue to go on, and another guy had mentioned and tweeted and said, all in good time. When the time is right, big dog, you'll shine and silence the naysayers. Hashtag King Sammy. And he said, you're right, brother. So thought that was interesting, him really interacting and kind of venting uh, where he's at. Another guy said, back to Buffalo after the season, thought emoji. And he said, I love it where I'm at, bud. So... There was kind of that, you know, he's kind of venting, but at the same time, he seems very complacent where he's at, and he's going to be, you know, going into that. With that said, we had uh, J.B. Long in that show today with the Coach McVay, and J.B. asked for a couple questions, and your boy <laughs> sent out a question, because I wanted to know what McVay thought about, you know, Sammy reaching out to Twitter and kind of venting a little bit, and I got to give a shout out to J.B. Long, because he picked the question and asked McVay it, so... So here's that question of J.B. Long asking McVeigh about what he thought on that Twitter interaction. Many fans want Sammy Watkins targeted more. Is it that he's being covered, or is it that he's giving up on routes like we saw yesterday? Uh, no, I, you know, in terms of being covered, I think I'll go back to it. Certain plays we call to get him the football. There was a couple opportunities yesterday that we have that uh, it didn't work out for a couple different reasons. And uh, then there's also some times where we might have a certain play called where he's the primary and we get a different coverage, and that dictates where the ball's going to go elsewhere. But Sammy's a guy that, starting with me, we've got to figure out a way to try 
try to get him involved in games and get him going. Uh, but everybody has a contribution in that. And the thing that you appreciate about Sammy is that while he's a guy that certainly wants to get involved, responds the right way, uh, and looking forward to him having a good week, and, and we're going to try to get him more involved moving into the Jacksonville game. As a follow-up to that, Brad Mater asked, thoughts on Sammy Watkins reaching out on social media to express his frustrations last night? Yeah, I, you know, I think I had a great conversation with Sammy. I think a lot of it was in response to some other things that were said to him. Talked to Sammy, uh, just like you would expect in my experiences with him. Uh, took full accountability, handled it the right way, expect him to move forward in a manner that's going to be indicative of what we're going to be as a team, and he's just going to go about his work, try to play the best that he can, snap in and snap out. And I think what the tendency is, especially when you're not really involved on the ins and outs and what's going on, is had to have that outside-in approach where it's just, all right, let's just look at the numbers as opposed to what's he putting on tape? Is he getting open? Are there some opportunities that we might have missed where he's doing what he can control as a receiver? And I can really appreciate that there were some times, yes, that's the case, and there's also some times where Sammy will be the first to tell you, I can be better than I was. And, uh, and everybody has a part in that. It's not just exclusive to Sammy, but what you like more than anything, JB and DeMarco, is the way that he responded and, and handled that conversation that I was able to have with him today. Well, Bear, it sounds like McVeigh really isn't too worried about that, which is huge because looking at all the social media buzz, the last thing we need is some issues with the chemistry on this yeah, team. Yeah, we don't need loss. no drama. We don't need no drama. So uh, let's move on a bit. Um, I did want to ask you about some of these situations when it came to the special teams. You okay. know, we have such a strong special team unit, but this game really did not reflect that. And we have the issue with Tavon, who everybody's been talking about. Past it was so hours. tough because Tavon did, obviously, you know, he had that huge touchdown run and everyone's just, and I was laughing telling my cousin was watching the game and I'm like, I'm like, dude, watch everyone just be so excited about it. Cause he's getting a lot of hate. Right. And I was excited. Cause I, I like him coming out of the backfield and he's doing well there. And I think he can be dangerous there. And then the very next, you know, three, we get a three and out and they punt the ball and he, you know, coughs it up. And it's like, damn it. Tavon, just I thought go. you were working on that. I just put up a GIF of you dancing and being all excited. And now I got to, you know, come Ruining on. Ruining my GIF game. Yeah, come on. Um, but, again, McVay basically said, we're going we're gonna to pull him back a little bit, give him a break. We're going to use him more on the offense. They, he had his most targets as a wide receiver as well this game. Um, so they're going to look to give that responsibility to Cooper Cup, which is going to help you on your hey. bet. Uh, with the Seahawkers podcast, you briefly mentioned that yesterday, but you're down, man. You need some yards, so hopefully that will help you out. Um, and he seemed sure-handed, came into the game a couple times and, and you know, did fair catches and had no issues. And they also said if not, they're also going to work Farrell Cooper into that. So hopefully Cooper Cup gets the first crack at that, and if he doesn't succeed, they'll go to the other Cooper. Farrell. Yep. And so, then from there, maybe back to Austin. So I think Austin's now third on the depth chart in return, Bill. Hopefully McVay's like, hey, Cup, you get this because you have good hands. And then after that drive at the very end of the game, it's like, comes up to him, uh, you know what? You yeah. would be the punt returner if you would have caught that. Yeah. No, that mm. will not happen. Uh, McVay is a little bit more patient there. But yes, I'm looking forward to seeing what Cup can produce uh, on the special team side. Well, you're right. I mean, that's something we're going to figure out on special teams. But the one thing that we got to circle back and we haven't given enough attention to, and I'll talk a little bit more about this over the week, but our defense, man, mm. we really got to give a shout out. They had their moments, um, but overall, the way that they started that game and really just shut down Russell Wilson, who is a slippery little bug back there. He certainly is. He is a tough guy. I feel like there should be a stat created just for him of like their sacks. And then there's like when you're Wilson when, slips. Yeah, when you're yeah Wilson slips <laughs> slash when your knees like an inch off the ground and you get rid of the ball right before a sack. Like, 
Because he had like four or five times where we had him dead to rights and he's going down and somehow he picked up six yards. And it's like, what? Is he not in the grass? Can we blow the whistle? Blow the whistle, ref. Well, they show what kind of plays Russell Wilson can make. You know, he had under 100 yards uh, less than Goff and two more completions. So, you know, looking at the stats, you wouldn't think that he'd have so many imperative plays that he was able to succeed with. But back to this defense, a few people I want to mention, you know, Ogletree, he wasn't touched on this, but he had blitzed the first three possessions, and then they held him back on the fourth. I mentioned that yesterday. But he had a sack on on Wilson. It looked like he was stepping up, at least in the beginning. And then let's talk about Longacre, who right now is leading the team in sacks. I mean, I I would never – would expect that at the beginning. You know of the what? Season. I'm so happy for that because Longacre is one of those guys that you were excited watching uh, through training camp, and you're hoping that he gets some run because I mean it's one of those boring things that I always say, but he's got a motor, man. He's got a motor, mm-hmm. and he's always going. McVeigh talked about him again today and said he's got great hands. People don't understand this about him, but he's got great moves as well. He's got multiple moves that he can use, and he just keeps going. So if, if you're gonna hold the ball back there. Um, to see him chase down Russell Wilson and, and, like you said, lead the team in sacks so far this year has been fun to watch. And I'm excited for him to continue to get in rotation there and to put pressure on QBs because uh, he's one of those guys I think has got a chip on his shoulder, especially because I think most people look at him and go, no, oh, yeah, he's not a threat because we got all these other guys to worry about. Um, but he's been performing great so far. And I do want to mention that hit that Mark Barron had on Jimmy Graham to stop that <laughs> first down was just incredible. We were just talking about it right before that, uh, us watching the game, and, and you know I was kind of you know filling in my cousin because he's not too familiar with the Rams, and I'm like, look at this guy, man. He looks like a cornerback. He's got the cornerback number, but he hits like a linebacker, and his whole mindset is linebacker. And then that play happened, and he just, just almost looked like he broke Jimmy Graham a yard before the first down, and that was a prime example of what he does for us. And yes, improvement always needs to happen in, in that secondary and in, in that linebacker crew. But him himself, he had a, he had a great game. He made some big plays. Uh, and I was overall, I was really proud of the defense. And let's not forget Cody Davis, who had a pretty huge interception early on in the game on that kind of trick play with uh, Tanner McAvoy. Uh, yeah, Maca, 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 not, not going to get a completion. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, on top of that, he had he was part of five tackles, four solo by himself. So he's really stepped it up. Yeah, that whole that whole safety and secondary. Obviously, we also today little breaking news, but um, Maurice Alexander was released from the team today. Mm-hmm. Also, that helped bring back Michael Thomas onto the roster, and then uh, we we expect to be getting Joiner back here, hopefully for the next game. So I wish Maurice Alexander nothing but the best. Um, Danny Kleppinger, who you all know, reports to the Rams, put out a pretty cool tweet. I didn't know this much about his story, but he was at once a janitor mm. for the St. Louis Rams in that building, and then ended up playing in that building. And it's then like becoming... Goodwill Hunting, but with sports. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's the Goodwill Hunting of the Rams. So uh, he had a pretty cool post that he put out to Rams Nation, thanking for all the support and opportunities. So hopefully, we see him land somewhere, or you know, we keep him close, and at some point. Uh, bring him back but wish him the best of luck but we have those guys like Cody Davis filling in playing well uh, that we can count on yeah so speaking of counting on early on in the game we were looking good on the defensive side but I just think we got worn out there 
Um, looking at time of possession just in the first half, Seattle had over 20 minutes. We're at a little bit less than 11. So they were dominating overall time of possession because you mentioned it earlier. We have a fast-paced offense, so we get the job done quickly. But our defense was out there for a long time. And then we continued to get these uh, five turnovers, allowing our defense to be out there for yeah. even more time. Overall time of possession, the Hawks had about 31 minutes. We were looking at 28 Give or take, give or take some, but still, like it seems like we weren't give, we weren't helping ourselves by giving them so much time. Yeah, for sure, it definitely evened out near the end. But in the first half, you're looking at those numbers and you're like, man, our defense just needs to. Even though they played well, we got to get into that three and out zone and get them off the field. And our offense does work so quickly. Um, again, at the end of the first half, I think it was um, where we had gotten the ball back and we had the ball for like. 18 seconds, and then we had to punt again, mm-hmm. and uh, our offense moves fast. So that's one of the things moving forward. You hope that you see a little bit more balance there, especially for our defense. They played well, but we got to get them off the field. Yeah, because uh, at the end of the game, you're going to want them to be full of energy and not kind of worn down like you know they may be at the end. But they did a great job holding Seattle to field goals in the end to keep this into a game. So again, another tip of the cap: bend but don't break. Give up 16 points. You think overlooking over the first four games, 16 points, we're going to win by 20, right? Yeah. Um, but our offense had those five turnovers. Got to fix that, uh, and I think we'll, we're going to be all right. It, looking back to last year, had a very similar record here at this point, but completely a tale of two stories. So I'm excited going in, but we do have a dangerous game coming up against Jacksonville. We're going to talk about that later in the week. But that's no easy game. I look back at, you know, you think back to the beginning of the year and you're circling games and you're like, that's a guaranteed victory. Yeah. And Jacksonville is definitely one of those. And as you've seen them play, um, no longer a guarantee. And it's going to be a tough matchup against a great defense. Yeah, so you're right. You know, we could, we did give them a hard time in the second half. They relied 100% on Blair Walsh for those two field goals. Nice name, not. Um, so, uh, hate? Little yeah, hate well, hey, I mean, come on, come on, Greg, Blake. I was pissed that he missed that one. So. Uh, you're right, Bear. You know, McVay briefly did touch about giving everyone touches and balance, rebalancing this offense. I think going into the next week, we are going to have to reapproach that. The last thing I want to maybe ask you about real quick, since McVay talked about it too, is there's a lot of feedback on social media regarding clock management and him calling that early timeout on first and 10 with two, 42 or something like that remaining. Um, he did own it in the press conference. Did you kind of feel a little that young coach vibe because of those calls or kind of an amateur Yeah, I mean, there? there's, there's a lot of things that happen with that. I mean, you've even heard people kind of on some of his play calling say sometimes he's just getting a little too cute with things, right? He's trying to be overly creative when he should just let it come to him. But I'm not too worried about that. I love everything he's doing. I think he's created a culture change, like I mentioned earlier. Everyone taking ownership for their own responsibilities. They seem to be buying in on everything he's doing. It's something that over the time of his head coaching career, those are going to come to him. I'll tell you right now, if you're going to ask time management and challenge flags and all that, him versus Jeff Fisher, I'm still <laughs> going to circle McVay 17 times before I even look over at, Je- at Jeff Fisher. So You mentioned I'll- our record last year at this time. I believe that last year at this time we were leading the NFL in penalties. Exactly. So, you know. Exactly. So, um, we still need to do better on penalties. I will mention that because there's still some dumb penalties that are hurting us. But I like where we're at. You know, coach, do your thing. It's, it's part of the learning process. Uh, I don't expect you to step in at 31 years old and be exactly perfect as your first year's head coach. So, 
One thing, as we mentioned a thousand times, is that he is great about learning from his mistakes or taking ownership and moving forward and kind of building that profile of understanding what it is to be a head coach. And he's got great people around him like Wade Phillips and, you know, Bones and all these guys that have, you know, done this for a while. So he's got to lean on them a little bit more, but not a concern for me. I think this is something that he's going to continue to learn and we're going to have a great season. So I'm, I'm, Highly encouraged, still, even after a loss. And I'll tell you right now, coming from last year when we were just trying to find things to be excited about was tough. So we've got tons of things to be excited about. And another thing to be excited about is this is a daily podcast, people. So we're going to be back tomorrow talking more LA Rams football. Again, going to drop it real quick before we're out of here. Don't forget to go leave a review. Tag a friend. Tell them you listen to the show. We need more listeners. We love everyone we got. Uh, engage with us. We've got at jkroger3. We've got at la underscore rambling bear. Rams podcast. Locked on Rams. All on Twitter, Instagram. Reach out to us. Let us know what you want to hear on the show. We're going to get you involved. We'll give you shout outs. Uh, we love your fan interaction. Big shout outs to everyone that has given us props before. And some of the we saw some of the footage of people tailgating this weekend. Uh, hitting us with the with the tags on Twitter. Definitely. Continue to send us pictures. Appreciate all the love. So, guys, we're going to be back tomorrow with more Rams news, info, and update. James will not be with us, but he'll be with us in spirit. And you know what? We're recording a Rams podcast tonight, so don't forget to check that out. We'll be dropping later on in the week. But until next time, Rams Nation, peace. peace.